Hey everyone, I'm Brian, and this is Innovating Legal, a podcast by Evident Law. To innovate, you need to move beyond the familiar echo chamber. So we'll take you on a journey to uncover unique insights and strategies from industries outside of legal that you can apply immediately to grow yourself, your law practice, and ultimately stand out in today's crowded legal market. So let's get going. All right, Vida, welcome to the uh, the Innovating Legal Podcast. I'm super excited to have you on. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to finally schedule the call. I know we've talked about it quite for quite some time. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so funny. We've gotten to know each other over the last you know several months, um, and super excited to have you on as our, our first guest on the podcast because you know you really I think sort of embody you know what it is we're trying to uncover through the podcast, which is learning from folks who have backgrounds in other industries and really kind of transferring some of the insights and learnings into how can we apply that to legal practice? So law firms, how they run their practice, how they approach their day-to-day. Uh, and I love your background and I, I love your story. So why don't, we, why don't we maybe get kicked off with telling folks a little bit about um, you know, who you are and, and what it is you do. So my name is Vaida. I am currently living in Finland. Originally, I'm from Lithuania. And I am mathematician. So if there is anybody further from the legal field, I guess it's the it's the uh, fundamentalist, it's the mathematician. Um, and um, I came to Finland to study PhD in applied physics. But after four and a half years, I found myself that I will not be um, researcher. So I did not see myself in the academic world or field, and I walked away. And then. During the time that I started now, between the time and now that I started my business, I also worked as a marketing analyst and uh, in the car import field. So I love cars and I was actually searching and buying and importing cars for my clients. And during that time, I was working with my with my ex-fiance now. And during that time, I've noticed that I have very strong skill set to help um, business owners to organize their workflow, to organize their projects, to organize their tasks, to just organize all the all the work that they have going on. And uh, that encouraged me to start my consulting business in January of 2021. And that has been the best decision. And I think I arrived after changing so many careers. <laughs> I arrived to what I truly love doing and where my skill sets are really strong. Yeah, that's great. And before we kind of get into how you start working with lawyers, I've got to ask you, what what is your favorite car? My three-year-old son loves cars, uh, and he always likes to point out the different cars on the road. So given that you have a, a background in, in buying and importing cars, I'd love to hear what your favorite car is. So I'm Mercedes, like give or take. It's all only okay. the Mercedes. I would not, I my favorite is the E-Class, S-E class. So the 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 nice ones. And uh, of course, the others are also very nice, but we are, my now new partner is also, we are Mercedes people. Got it. Got it. Okay. So from mathematics to importing cars to now working with uh, lawyers, how did, how did you get started working with attorneys? Um, when I started my business, I was in a coaching program in the one-year mastermind, and they advised us to do the free five-day challenge where we would provide for, for three to four days, we would provide the information, the coaching, the group of people in the closed Facebook group. And then we 
once they know us, then it's easier to provide our services, to sell our services. And I got, I think, four clients out of that out of that five day challenge. It was about twenty three people in there. And a first attorney came through that five day challenge. And in fact, it was one and a half years ago, and she's still working with me now, one and a half years later, and she achieved amazing results. And then she recommended me to other attorneys. I was recommended to the other. And now my, I would say 95% of my clients are attorney owners. So I niche down to serve, to serve the owners who are in the legal field. Great. And, and are the, the attorneys you work with, are they global or typically US-based? And what are the size of the, the firms that you generally work with? They are all in the USA. So I, all my clients are in America and um, um, they are from multiple six-figure to multiple seven-figure attorney owners. Got it. And, and working with them, you know, obviously you have a, a unique background, right? No, just no experience in the legal field before, right? So I was just laughing. I think I mentioned to you also before that uh, when I started to work with attorneys, I had no idea what paralegal is. I was like, can you explain me the verbiage <laughs> if we are going to continue working in this field? I didn't know the, the terms. Now I understand it. I understand the issues much better and their business much better. But I didn't know what like simply what paralegal is. Yeah. So so I, I love that because that allows you, I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I think that allows you to come to you know, working with attorneys with a, a fresh and new perspective, right? So you, you're not part of, you know, the, the, the world of lawyers and, and bar associations and having a background in law and, you know, being able to kind of take a new perspective and, and applying it to working with attorneys, you know, how, do you think that's helped you for your background in ma mathematics and working in other industries? And, and if so, how do you think that's helped you in your work with attorneys? Yes, it helps me. I think it also helps me. Well, it's a double, double-sided coin. When you are not familiar with the problems, I think you are emotionally not so much, uh, uh, is, you know, supporting or not so much uh, together with the client when they are presenting their problems. Uh, so that that side is is good. I think so. And then the things that I teach, they are universal. The methodologies of time management and productivity, they are universal. Of course, for me, it helps when I know the real problems of a narrow group of people. Then I even now I go as, as much further even to a little bit advanced better in the tools that they use so that I can deeper help them outside of the, the course that I have, for example, that any other um, fields can go through. Got it. And so working with attorneys then, you, you've had sort of gone through that where you started working with attorneys, you weren't familiar with the industry. Now you're quite familiar where you work with a large number of attorneys now doing fantastic work. You know, what, what were the typical problems that, you know, you most often saw with attorneys when you, you know, when you first started working with folks and then, uh, you know, where you are today, whether that's evolved or not? So I think the problems, they kind of stayed the same. I'm just became much more aware of them. and over the many clients that I've been working with. And I, I can identify like several. So I've noticed that uh, most of the owners, they don't have the clear plan what they are focusing on. Most of their days are going to reactive work to basically dealing with the fires, whether that's staff, whether that's clients, whether our own uh, things that we did not have time to do is. 
And the secondly is also uh, knowing how to prioritize. So a lot of the times is all this, everything looks urgent, everything seems important, but in fact, it's not. But once you don't have the plan, once you don't have those critical few projects that you strategically move forward, you cannot prioritize because you don't have the benchmark. Like, what is the priority? What I am moving forward? And then the third one is um, a calendar. So I see this all across the board that a lot of the owners, and not necessarily in the legal field, but also outside, they have meeting gap, 30-minute gap, then Zoom call, 30-minute gap, another meeting. You cannot really get important work done if you are all you do is jump from the meeting to the Zoom call. So then I help them to restructure the calendar so they have a little bit more deep work time to get those, to move those strategic projects forward. And the fourth one is managing the email. So email has become a new messaging tool, which is not, it's not a messenger and it's not a WhatsApp. And, and yet when we send the email, we never expect somebody would answer as immediately. And yet we look at it and like immediately somebody sends, we have to react on it. So we change a bit of, it's, it's a, more like a mindset and habitual, how we start managing the emails. And the fifth one, what I see is the physical, um, disorganized physical space. So that's all digital and physical space. So the workspace, the, the office or the desktop, phone. I have clients, just last week, my client said that she deleted 50 apps from her phone. She never felt more relaxed. I have clients who deleted eight swipe pages of apps and uh, it's just like a cherry on the cake when you have all the systems in place that decluttering and organize your, your computer, your phone and your physical space brings that much more peace, calm and that sense of control when you don't have the clutter around you. So I would say these five areas together with the mindset around time management and work is what I'm focusing on and also what I've identified the biggest issue with majority of my clients. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I mean, when I was practicing law, you know, email was a big one, right? Because you're trying to get a lot of, you know, deep intellectual work done during the day, but at the same time, your email is pinging back and forth all day long, right? And so you go from working to responding to an email to working to responding to another email. And before you know it, you're sort of three hours down the road and you've kind of gotten what you need to do, uh, need to get done, you got about sort of half of it done, but you responded to about 50 emails, uh, which everything feels, everything feels urgent. Um, you know what? So everything does sort of feel urgent to attorneys, right? Because you're, you're de typically dealing with a lot of, you know, kind of high, high intensity, high stress type issues. Mm. You know, what do, what do lawyers, in your opinion, sort of, you know, most currently at least misunderstand about, you know, managing their time and managing their calendar? So one thing is that um, uh, what I've noticed, this is uh, across most of the clients, is that when they come to work with me, they a little bit feel like they are a victim of their calendar, that somebody else overbooked them, like three appointments in, in the one slot, and they cannot change anything. Or somebody else gives so many tasks that they are just so badly behind. But it's not like we have a control what comes on the calendar. And the moment they understand it, that they have the control, they are the ones who are setting the boundaries to what 
conference they attend to, to what coaching they attend to, what clients they take on, to what meetings they go to, to the boundaries of the time availability that they allow for their staff to book, the things start to change very, very quickly. But before that, this is, I've noticed over and over again, nothing is going to work what I uh, present to them before they really take a responsibility and look in the mirror that I am the one that got into this mess. And I am yeah. the one that's going to get out of it. And I also had the client who said to me that why did the biggest thing what I understood this week is that you are not going to come here sitting next to me and checking, protecting what comes to my calendar or not, or what task I'm going to do. I will be the one that draws the line. And once clients, they, they go through this exercise by saying, you know, a lot, and, and we do the audit of the calendar, like very heavy audit of the calendar. And once they realize, once they get the power to say no and eliminating the things because they can use that time to get their work done then i see they say no like left and right then the calendar is like empty but before the moment they realize that they had the one that got to, to that point nothing is going to change yeah yeah it's that stuff like taking ownership right it is is a big yeah. part of what what you're saying right because it, as a pricing attorney you can always sort of feel like you're underwater right like you said you've got meetings you've got court appearances you've got briefs to file or you've got documents to put together um, and there's this kind of sense or feeling that there's really never enough time in the day, right? And there's all these studies out there about how many hours lawyers truly work in a week. And, you know, they're, they're quite astonishing. And it has not only an impact on, you know, the, the work that you're doing as an attorney, but on, on the rest of your life. And it sounds like from you, a lot of it starts with, you know, taking ownership that you, know, you, you do have the ability to control your calendar and control your day. Yes. Yeah. So... The strategies that you're, you're talking about, now, and I want to get into sort of the, the, the nitty gritty on what, what you would typically advise folks, but these types of strategies, you know, are, are they being used in other industries? Did you use them in, you know, your, your prior work, uh, working in fields outside of the legal industry? So I've used them, um, I've used them for many, many years, and that's, that's how it all started, that I've always been very interested in time management and productivity. So for the last Eight years, I've read like hundreds of books and and got a lot of coaching. So I myself was interested to use them. And I used them for, I don't know, many years. And even when I was very little at school, I would set the goal, break it down, put the deadline, go and get it done. So I, for example, when I went to, to study my master's, it was two years. I was like, I want to get the red diploma. I knew how, what grades I needed. Okay, I needed like this. I planned over two years and I got it. We were five out of, I don't know how many people that got that diploma. I, we say it like um, the, the honor, like with the honor, okay. with yeah. The honor. Yeah, they call it red diploma, but with the honor. So, um, so these work across the board. And before I worked with the attorney owners, I had many different clients. So it works for every, every field. It's only that some fields, they have a little bit more specific tools, specific issues, specific um, uh, tasks or projects that they tend to work. So what it, it's easier for me, because if the client says that, oh, I, I, I want to make my policies and procedures done. So because I've did it so many times with other clients, then I they do the project and I say to them, how about this? How about that? Because I've done it with other clients, or they say, I need to hire a new attorney. 
and they they do this list and I was like what about this what about this because I've done it so many times with others that I can guide them to what's missing in their plan that makes my work much easier and also it gives me more insight into what they are doing like understanding the steps that they are doing in their law practice yeah well, that makes that makes a lot of sense right and i think you know it's interesting there there can be sort of a tendency at least i found i found it myself as well uh to gravitate towards adding more right like adding more tools or adding you know another uh, employee to help out or kind of looking at sort of the next shiny object that you might hope will will solve the issue for you but you know what i've learned from from talking to you and the way you do things is it seems like it there's actually some stuff that's more fundamental than that right that you yeah. can really address in the way you approach you know, your work yourself um, before you even get to, you know, thinking about any of the sort of newest, fanciest and shiniest things. Um, you know, and I'd love to kind of dig into each of those and break those down with you. Yes. And, and it's so interesting. Like last week I was talking with one person and she said that, you know, I thought that if I buy all these planners and these new stickers and everything, I will be so productive. Now all I have is a bunch of planners. So it's, <laughs> it's, it summarizes the idea that always people, they need this, this adrenaline of something new. And they then, there is a monday.com. Oh, let's try this. There is Asana. There is ClickUp. There is Trello. And oh, if I, if it's going to look different, then I will get more done. But all they do, they waste the time to, to get that boost of energy. And then again, we come down to this mundane routine thing. And I was, I read somewhere that really stick to me. It was saying that, that the level of success is defined how well you deal with um, routine, mundane, boring things. And that's actually really true. So what I teach is very simple. And uh, all the systems, I, I use the tools and I belong to this one Facebook group and I, I'm just laughing that I could give a PhD to every those people because how complicated they make the system. And I'm the opposite. I make it so simple that I have clients whose kids implement the, the ideas because they are so simple. So I'm like, my core value is simplicity. And I always look the ways to make it even more simple for the clients. Yeah, no, like it's, it's, it's so true. and so spot on. Um, I mean, it's, you know, when folks start to use our product at Evident Law, right? A lot of folks want to try to set up sort of the most kind of customized and, and, and sort of nitty gritty ways of, of doing things and lots of automations and, and all the bells and whistles. And what we tell folks typically is, is similar, which is there are a couple of fundamental things that you can do to really sort of streamline your process and generate a lot more revenue pretty quickly. Um, you can get to all of the sort of bells and whistles at some point, but you've got to address the fundamentals first. Um, and so, you know, I'd love to kind of dig into the way you do that with your clients, right? Like, let's assume that, you know, I'm a busy lawyer uh, and I don't want to feel so busy. I want to have more time for myself and my family, but I also don't want to let things slip in my practice. There's a lot of things going on. There's just the fact that there's a lot of work that needs to get done. When working with you, like, where do, where would I even start as an attorney? Like, what's the first thing that you would do when you start working with somebody? Um, so first of all, I, I identify, I have a very extended questionnaire. I know then where the, exactly they are at with all the tools that they use, with how they feel, uh, with um, every part in the time management where they're at. So at goal setting, planning, decluttering, like, so I don't teach something that they don't need necessarily help with. 
But we start fundamentally with identifying the tools. So I never want to add more tools to the people. I actually want to get less. And if you are re- if you are already using some tool, then we build those all the system and all the business project management on the tool that you already are using. And then the next step is that we identify what are the core two to three projects that that you I, I just say you, it's easier for me to talk to. Do you want to achieve in, in the coming 12 weeks? And I specifically narrow down to the 12 weeks because a lot of people come to me and they say, I've been setting these goals for years and I never achieved them. So there is no sense to set another yearly goal if like set ourselves for failure, if we have not achieved them. So we put 12 weeks. That is a very good book that I typically share it with the people. It's called the 12 week year. It's there on my bookshelf but uh, so it it teaches that uh, when you narrow the goal it becomes smaller so your days becomes weeks meaning that the, you can achieve like the similar amount of work in one day than in a yearly goal in a week and your weeks becomes months so you actually see the progress much faster you're more accountable you get the things done so we identify these these projects it can be higher in new you know attorney or paralegal or working on the policies and procedures. Some people, they have a goal that move from production to management. They don't want to be um, in a legal, um, providing the legal services themselves. They want to grow the business. And all of these, and we make the we make the plan. Then we put all the individual systems in place. So they are not, a lot of people, they have like a lot of sticky notes. Oh, I have to do this. So some tasks are on the envelopes, on the back of the envelope, some of the sticky <laughs> notes. Some of the on the phone, some in the computer, like you have this 30 minutes and you have no idea where to pick the next important task because they are all over. So I'll put all these like piece of a puzzle in place before we actually go into the planning. Then we learn how to prioritize, like how to know what are the key important tasks to work on. Then how to effectively plan a week, how to estimate the workload of a week. I also noticed that a lot of times owners, they have these 25 things on the list for this week and they open the calendars like, oops, I'm going to be three days away in the conference. So they have like absolutely no, there is no relationship between how many things I want to achieve and then what's actually happening next week on my calendar. How physically, how much time I have to work on something. And then... And the very last, when we put all the system in place, then, of course, we we uh, work on the email management. And then we work to declutter, to organize phone, computer, and the physical workspace. Some people, they take care only of their table. Some go as much as their office. I had a client when I just started who cleaned their, she cleaned her office, then she went as far as cleaning the whole house, they took a picture, so they put it on sale, and they sold it. <laughs> so it's kind of it's, yeah. it's from cool. from You're, from the yeah. yeah from the desk to the selling the house. <laughs> oh, that's, that's that's amazing. That is amazing. A um, couple things that I want to try to unpack there because there's a lot of great sort of strategies and information that um, you know I think you you do when you work with uh, your clients. And one thing that I wanted to to chat with you a little bit about is. The attorney you, you referenced, you know, let's say the attorney has 25 things on their to-do list, but they're going to be away for two or three days. You know, sometimes as an attorney, you run into a situation where you actually do have 25 things on your list that have to get done that week, right? So I think a lot of attorneys who, who listen to this might say, you know, what about the weeks where 
I am underwater, but I am, I have to be underwater because all of this actually has to get done in this week. I mean, any, any sort of tips and strategy that, you know, you advise people on in those type of, types of circumstances, or maybe it's just, look, there's going to be a week or two where you're just underwater and you got to deal with it and get it done. And you get back to your planning the following week. How do you typically advise people in those situations? So there are definitely outliers and there's going to be weeks when it's just not a typical week, especially if you are somewhere traveling away and uh, uh, traveling away and uh, you have to run your firm. But in any case, what I advise people to do is that no matter how deep underwater you are, you need to teach yourself that there are only few essential things in this pool of tasks and the rest are less important. There cannot be 25 equally essential tasks on your list. Some things are more important or significantly more important than the, the remaining ones. And we need to uh, switch the the habit of of checking off the easiest things because they are the fastest and going towards important. And what happens most of the time when people come to the important, they, it's either already afternoon, they are either heavily interrupted, there is no time, or they are physically tired. And they say, oh, I do it next morning. I'll get up. It's all about catching up. It's all about, I'll, I'll do more tomorrow. I get up a bit earlier tomorrow and I get it done. And then again, we want to check off quickly something fast. We go to the easier. When we arrive to the more important, we are either tired, it's afternoon, it's time to go, or there's some unexpected happening, we need to leave. And it, this I see repeating for months, for years, for decades for some people. And in any case, we have to flip it. And what happens also when you flip it, when you start taking care of your essential work, many times there, those little things, they kind of, there is less of them. Because a lot of the times those little things come because we are late dealing with important work. So we forget, we, oh, I have to, oh, I have to call this client, oh, I have to uh, take care of this credit card, oh, I have to do this. And then we forget and we have full list of emergencies that we basically created ourselves many times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it is amazing, right? Sort of the knock-on effect of, of not handling the, the big rocks, as they say, that, that need to get done first. And really spending all your time handling with the handling the little rocks and the pebbles, the smaller things that you know are quicker to get done, but they're higher in, in terms of number and volume. You know, it sounds like calendar is important to this, right? Like managing your calendar. Um, I know that was sort of the, the second thing that you you tend to work with folks on after you set the one to three priorities. Um, you know, let, let's say you're working with me, for example. I mean, how do you how do you start to use the calendar as a tool? to flip that script and start to make sure you get the, the big things done first. I mean, take us through like how you would work with somebody on, on their calendar. So first of all, I uh, want to do the calendar audit first. So calendar is many times people, they book the meetings, they get through the week, they go through the next week, they book the meetings, they go through the next week. They never look at the calendar as their database. Like you have years of database, like you have months of database, you know what you have to, Look at your calendar. So first of all, we print. I ask my clients to print about like month in the past, month in the future. And I have a specific questions to go through that they go and basically scan their calendar. What's happening with my time? Where do I spend it? So I have very specific questions like how many times you spend in how many meetings? 
how many hours per week. I had a client who did the audit. He said to me a couple of weeks ago that I spent 35 hours in the meetings per week. I had no idea. It's like the whole European work week goes in the meetings. So before we do any changes, we have to understand, are there any other, all the meetings that we have to attend? Do we have to commit to anything? Can we shorten them? Can we group them? so that we free up i suggest people to free up a little bit more time in the morning and do those meetings later because your creative work and your eat the frog should happen in the morning otherwise you statistically get more chance to get interrupted as the day goes and not only interrupted but you may be presented with opportunity and you cannot do it because you didn't get your important work done. Somebody, your friend may call you at 2 p.m. and say that, hey, I'm in town. Would you would you have the time to meet for a quick lunch? It's like, sorry, I didn't do my job. So, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I procrastinated. So we do this, this calendar audit. The first thing to start opening up the time for the plans that, that we already created. And essentially the... I think if, if listeners are listening to this podcast, I want to say that look at your calendar as a data periodically, once a quarter, print those pages, take a pen and paper, go for a two hour lunch with yourself or coffee and look what's happening with your calendar. You 100% I can say you, you do not need to commit to everything that's on your calendar, but because you don't have the time, you have no idea what's actually happening in there. And then every time I have the clients who do this audit, they all come up with these brilliant ideas or things they notice because they took the time to zoom out and look what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, when, when you're, when you're in the trenches and you're doing the work and you've got a lot going on, right. I mean, the, the reason people work with you is to really kind of take control of, of their time. Um, and that all, all suggests that currently they ha- they don't have a lot of time to spare, right? And so it's interesting that you know there there comes a time where you just gotta it sounds like make that extra effort to go ahead and start auditing your calendar, right? It's a little bit more upfront work right now. It may sound kind of tedious, but the benefits on the back end of that when you audit your calendar, when you restructure it to make sure you're getting the big things done and taking control of your time. You know, the ROI on that, as I'm sure you've seen working with your, your clients, could just be enormous. Is that right? Yeah, and that I always say uh, that slow down to speed up. So take the time to slow down to look at your calendar and other things also. Planning. Oh, I don't have the time to plan. I have to like go and do the work. But slowing down to speed up, it's, it's, it's critical. And I can say you a couple of examples. So, for example, I had a client who would do, and I think a lot of the people do that, where they have team meetings in the morning. So you basically use your most important, precious time yourself and your team to meet. But then you can um, move it, let's say to 1 p.m. I just give a hypothetical example. And that now you do it once and it on repeat moves all the meetings. So all of a sudden you spend, okay, you spend an hour this week to audit the calendar, but now you freed up an hour each week from the morning to afternoon and you can work on your tasks. And you can do multiple of these changes to open up. I would say 90 minutes is a very good like starting point to open up where you have now solid time to move those strategic projects forward. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would venture to guess that most people have that morning meeting. I mean, when I was practicing, that, that was sort of the typical meeting, right? It's either Monday morning or pick yeah. a different day during the week. And it's always, let's meet in the morning. Let's talk about what we're doing. And everybody sort of go do their work. But before you know it, it's 1015, it's 1030. You're already halfway into the morning. You've got another call scheduled already for 1130. And then you've got about 45 minutes to start to try to squeeze some work in in between there. Um, and you know, that, that sort of simple change, again, seems like it could be just so impactful for mm -hmm. people. And it doesn't take a lot to do that. It's just, it's just a simple change uh, and a little bit of restructuring of the way you approach your day. And then also what I, what I also say to, to my clients is that productive people understand that you cannot control all of your day. So it's not about controlling all day. It's about controlling that morning and then let it let it go, let it unfold after that on its own. If you have meetings canceled, it's fine. You are not so angry because otherwise you are very become very reactive that, oh, now I have this meeting. I supposed to like, I got it canceled. I cannot do anything. But if you already got your most important work done and now you, you have this moving part, it does not irritate so much. You basically, if somebody cancels, you just go into your planners like, hey, let's knock off these couple of more things, bonus on top of what I already did in the morning. So if you just understand that if I just can protect and control this couple of time blocks and then let that day unfold, that's already such a huge step. Yeah, and I think that that's so critical, I think, for people to understand because depending on your practice area in, in the field of law, right? I mean, your days can get pretty chaotic. You can have things that come up, somebody files a motion that you weren't expecting or you, know, you have a new meeting, a client needs to, to, to talk to you immediately, right? And, and things can come up depending upon your, your practice mm -hmm. area. But, you know, I, I, I've read a lot of books by Cal Newport. I'm not sure if you have as well. That kind of talks about deep time blocking. Work, yeah. yeah, exactly. Deep work and a bunch of others. Uh, I've sort of nerded out on some of those books. But, um, you know, one of the things that he said, which I think is exactly what you're saying, which is, you know, at least if you start from the standpoint of you've got your day mapped out and you've got your one or two big things that, you want to or need to get done that day. If that schedule happens to change, it's no big deal, right? You can make some changes mm -hmm. to it. You still know what your priorities are and you just kind of continue on and, and move on. But if you come from the standpoint of your day is not scheduled at all and it's totally chaotic, right? I mean, you, you've just, you've lost before you've even begun the day, I think. And then um, also what, what most of the attorneys, uh, most of the entrepreneurs, what they have, and I've seen it also from the very close proximity when I was, in the car business, they have this very important work and they hope that at some point in the middle of the day, there is this two hour time block when nobody's calling, nobody's knocking on the door, nobody's interrupting, and I will be peacefully able to complete all the work, which is like probably never, ever happened for any busy <laughs> entrepreneur. <laughs> and then we we basically want to control uncontrollable things and and, and entrepreneurs get so angry about the things that they are out of their control that they just get tired and they just need a minor change in the mindset and minor change in how they start their day and it would everything fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. And look, and, and exactly. I mean, that, that's how, you know, when we think about uh, attor attorneys, particularly who are running solo and small firm practices, that they're entrepreneurs, right? I mean, they're practicing law, but they also are are trying to run a business. Um, and, you know, all of that is so critical to to get right in terms of being able to kind of move your business forward. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about email. Email is a big one, right? We started with the cal- obviously it starts with the calendar prioritization. Um, email is a big one for everybody, but in particular, it's a big one for attorneys, as you say. It's it's become more of a messaging tool than a um, uh, the tool that I think it was designed to be in the beginning. So, how do you advise folks if I'm somebody who gets hundreds of emails a day? I'm typically bouncing from email to work to email. You know, what, what are the first things you advise attorneys on when trying to get control of their email usage? So first of all, it starts with the mindset. And it's very important to understand, like I mentioned, that e- email is not a messaging tool. M- email work is the same work as any other work. So if you if you have the time dedicated to work on the client's work, Email is the same thing. So first of all, to really switching the mindset that we are not jumping on any incoming emails and dealing it right there. It has to be a time when when we are doing that. Either that's two times, three times, four times per day, but not all the time. So that's like fundamentally the mindset thing. Then another key important thing that uh, all notifications goes off. From the phone, from the computer, and email tabs are closed. You cannot focus on anything important. If you saw there were 17 emails and now it's suddenly 23, even if you decide not to act on it, your mind already kind of backs like, who sent? Is it important? Do my client have an emergency? Do I have to react on it? So notifications critically go off. Because it's just, you cannot be effective with it. Of course, then um, just by what I've noticed also one thing, and I think this is uh, in the legal field more than maybe in the other fields, but a lot of clients, they have, let's say, four different emails that joined in, in the same, let's say, Outlook app. And you now suddenly see 10,000 emails, you go and you see from four different accounts. But maybe you have your personal that has like 5,000 junk that you don't need to see. So what I advise people to do is to instead go into the online and basically bookmark each and every one of different email so that when you have that time, 15 minutes, and you strategically want to check the email, you pick which email now is important for me to check. And to be honest, maybe it's only one, your work email, it's important to check a couple of times a day. Maybe those other ones, they it's okay if you check them multiple times per week. And right. then you can, you can organize and not get overwhelmed with seeing all these tens of thousands of emails that they have no any relation to your work whatsoever because these accounts are nothing work-related. And clients immediately, they come down when they flip it to online instead of having all accounts into the one streamed email application. Yeah. Yeah, a lot coming into one spot. I mean, it's, you know, it's... It, the way I used to handle it is it wasn't quite as good as what you're suggesting. I kind of hacked together like a, a, a solution, maybe halfway between. I actually used to, when I was trying to get real like deep work done, I would use a mm. different desk actually away from my computer to do that work. Mm. But I, I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite get myself there to let go of email. And so, you know, I know at least in Outlook, you can set up things. So like if an email is coming from a particular person, it'll have a certain ringtone to it. And so I always knew if there were one or two clients who I was working with at a particular time that that tend to, tended to need things pretty quickly. 
it would have a specific ringtone. And if I heard that one, I would come back to it. That's probably not the way to do it. That was the best I could come up with at the time. Um, so I, I would ask you, so you know, what would you say to the attorney who, I think a lot of folks might might say initially, you know, my clients need me to be available for them always, right? Like that's part of my value prep. I'm always available to you at any point you can reach me. You know, you've taken people from that mindset, I think, to the other side of the canyon, right? Which is now they have control of their email and control of their responsiveness. You know, what, what did you say to those attorneys in the beginning who may have thought, look, I need to be available all the time because it's what my clients expect. Well, first of all, we don't. <laughs> like you don't, you don't have to be available. And I think the clients, they also do understand that you are, a, as a business owner, there are a lot of other things that you need to do. But I would get back to the same thing, what I already mentioned earlier, that if you just work to protect, let's say, hour to two in the morning to get your most important one work done, then you can let it go. Then all you do is you are in the meetings, you take care of the emails, you take care of the clients. So then it's fine if it's a little bit more routine and, and hectic and uh, uh, you are reactive with the work because you already did your important work done. So even if you are checking a bit more often your email, because there are some cases that client need your attention uh, faster, then it's fine. So it all comes under the same thing that don't check the first thing. Don't check the email first thing in the morning before you do that deep work. Otherwise, you even if you decided, okay, I'm not engaging in the email, you're going to be like in the back of your mind is like, oh, how do I solve this problem with the client? I have no idea where is this document or how do I find what they ask me now? So it's it's good to not at least like one thing is that not check the email before you get that key tasks done, the deep work time done, then it's fine. The day is not going to be perfect. And to learning these skills, it takes a long time. You say to people that you arrive at this point uh, through many, many years, for some people, many decades, it's not going to be perfect in 12 weeks. But at least these little things that don't, set your day already reactively by looking at your email. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. 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 Look, and there are a lot of other ways I think to, you can handle, you know, any, any sort of urgent communications, right? I think most folks may work with an answering service or have a, a, a receptionist who can take phone calls and, and really try to kind of figure out and screen whether something is truly urgent or whether it's a, an email that somebody just wants an answer to, but it's not actually mm. really urgent, you know? And I think, a lot of times when, uh, you know, attorneys think about, you know, efficiency during their day, right. And time management, um, particularly if you're working on a, on a billable hour, for example, right. I mean, in, in the legal field, you know, your time is money, right. And what impact have you seen, uh, the folks that you've worked with when they manage their time better, when they get things done more efficiently, which may be more quickly, how has that impacted their, their bottom line, right. Their, their revenue. Uh, what have you seen working with folks? So uh, I mostly work with attorney owners and most of them are already kind of part time uh, still in production or completely out of production. So what it helps them is that, um, but I will give both examples, what it helps to them that um, they, they delegate much better. And because they delegate much better, they can zoom out, they can now work more on the business and they can see the vision of growing, they start hiring. So they take care of the marketing and the hire and they bring in revenue. 
So I had a client who worked with me for 12 weeks. His um, goal was, um, I think, 1 million revenue. We completed the work and he doubled the goal into 2 million still for this year. Because we freed up, he said that now I have so much time, I don't know what to do with it. And that was literally <laughs> what he said, that we delegated so much better that he started to hire and they immediately flipped the goal. So that's what usually happens, that I help business owners to free up the time for thinking, because that's what business owners don't have, the time for thinking, for zooming out, for looking at their business, what that business needs. Does it need more marketing? Does it need more hiring? Like, where do I need to focus on? And then I had also clients who uh, were attorneys uh, who worked as employees. And what helps for them is also when we put the system so that they know exactly which case needs what uh, things to do on that case. Because attorneys, they have multiple cases that they, multiple clients that they take care. And once they have that plan in place, they use that time way more effectively so they can have more clients. They can, you know, use that time to generate also more revenue for them. So it, it can work on both sides. Then it's a little bit different planning because of course they're not focusing so much on the goals. They're focusing so more on the actual taking care of their cases, but the methods are the same. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I mean, there, there's a, like you said, there's a variety of ways you can utilize better time management and have an impact either, you know, you as a business owner or you as somebody who is both a business owner and doing all the work or you as an attorney who is actually focusing on, on doing the work. Um, how much of the work that you, know, you do with attorneys uh, has an impact on, you know, for example, their, their mental health or mentally, emotionally, physically, right? I mean, you know, in the legal industry, it's, it is, it is definitely an issue that the industry is, is dealing with and trying to figure out ways to deal with mental health issues, anxiety, stress, you know, frankly, not having enough time to really look after and take care of yourself. Um, you know, what kind of impact has, have you seen from implementing these types of strategies? You know, what kind of impact have you seen that, that having on, uh, you know, the well-being of attorneys that you've worked with? It's huge. It's huge. And I have a um, couple of uh, clients who are ADHD and they immediately say that I'm way more calm. And uh, I had uh, husbands of the wives saying that like it saved our marriage. So uh, I have also clients um, much better dealing, dealing is not a good word, but having much better relationship with their children because now they, they are not stressed because they get like a lot of the right important work done and they can come home earlier. They are less stressed, they're in control. So the impact is huge. And when I start working with the people, I work with 12 weeks one-on-one. -on -one. So when I start working with them, they are even like facial expression is stressed, contracted, and uh, they are like fast paced. And then when we finish, they are way more relaxed and way more calmer. And I see that even though it may be the same amount of workload, they are navigating very, very differently. So I also say to people that productive and unproductive people may have the same amount of work, but the way you prioritize what's important within those like junk of work, that's what defines which direction you are going to go. So I've seen 
a huge difference in people's, how that affects also people's personal life. Because the same methods, what they use, they then bring to their home, then they plan their uh, personal projects. And that's what I helped them later, that we add more projects from their personal life. So I had the client who scaled their business from 600 to 1 million. She bought the horse and she got back to the horseback riding. <laughs> that's great. So, so then we plan and then she renovated the kitchen. She like did all the renovations. So then we plan, we make a plan. And, and then the, that life becomes more fulfilling because you are doing something else, not just working 24-7 into your practice. Right. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, and sometimes, you know, innovation isn't necessarily new. It's getting back to the fundamentals, to the right? Basics. And so to the basics, right? And, you know, the, the impact that, you know, getting these fundamentals right can have not just on, on a business, but on your life um, are really, really amazing, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, yes, you're trying to run a successful business, a successful law firm, but most folks are also trying to have a successful life, right? And, and, Historically, that's that's been difficult in in the legal industry for mm -hmm. a lot of folks. I know I've dealt with that myself over time. You know the the sort of stresses and and you know, the amount of work that you have to get done typically as an attorney. And you know these types of strategies, I think, can be life changing. I know you've already seen it. You've given us some great examples. Um, I know you've seen it in your work already. Mm -hmm. Yes, and it's it's just so amazing to see when my clients are actually. I always ask them what wins do they get before we have on the call. And I love when they start sharing like more personal wins rather than in business, because then I see that they have the time, they start appreciating things differently. They have the energy, like you cannot be productive if you are exhausted. Many of them, they are tired because it's a long working hours. It's a lot of stress. And when they start sharing all these uh, personal wins, then I see that already things start to change because they are, uh, they prioritize things differently and they achieve things in their business, but as well in the personal life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I, I know we're getting towards the end of time. So I wanted to kind of finish up with um, just a, a couple of, a couple of quick questions that we sort of typically ask folks. Uh, I think the first is we've had a great discussion today, a lot of actionable insight here, I think for attorneys to take forward and, and use in their practice. If you were to boil it down to, let's just say the top three things, 30 seconds, what are the top three things attorneys can do to get control of their, their day, their business and, and their lives through time management? So the first one, I would say that identify a couple of key important projects. What are you working on that you want to move in the next 12 weeks? So are you hiring a new staff? Are you, you know, finalizing policies and procedures? What are you doing? Are you opening a new office? So that's the key. And then actually having the plan, like how to achieve it. Secondly, uh, learning to identify the key important tasks. So work on, on uh, having two to three key tasks per day and get them done at 100%. And then the third one is to... Clean up the calendar so you have at least 90 minutes as soon as possible in the morning, as early as possible, to work on those tasks. And then let that day unfold after that. But if you do these three things, so know what you are working on, identifying the key important tasks for the day, which are just really two to three, and then cleaning up the calendar to protect at least 90 minutes of the deep work in the morning 
you're going to be way ahead of, of most of the people. Yeah, I, I love it. Folks, if you're listening, give that a try. Let us know how it goes. Three simple, basic fundamentals. Start there and then, and then build on that. Um, all right, a couple, couple finishing questions. I know you read a lot of books. You've read a lot of productivity books. Any books or resources you would recommend uh, for lawyers in particular? So I would, I would recommend maybe three, which are really good. So a lot of people are, use, are reading the books that get more done, like more, 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 more. I would suggest to go to the opposite direction. Read about less. Read about minimalism. So one is the one very good is essentialism. I don't remember okay. the author, but uh, we can put it probably in the in the show notes. Is the essentialism so focusing, uh, learning about to eliminate the noise, focus on the critical few things. Then my most favorite is the compound effect, but they're in Hardy, and or the slight edge is a bit diff is a bit the same. Uh, Jeff Olson. And then the third one I could recommend is, uh, for example, The Power of Habit. One of the really good books is to how to change the habit because it's all it is, is the habitual routine things that we've been doing and now we have to change yep. to do. Yeah. So these three. Got it. All right. We'll have to check, those, check all of those out um, and, and give them a read. All right. If you could have coffee with three people in history, Vida, who who would they be? Well, I I cannot come up maybe with the three, but I can come up with the two. So I am a huge fan of Stoic philosophy and the Stoicism. I read a lot of uh, books on Stoicism, and I would actually really love to meet Seneca or Marcus Aurelius to pick their brain. Their books are amazing, although they're very difficult to read, and. Uh, uh, but more, those are the two people that I read a lot and I would love to speak to, to meet. Got it. Yeah, I mean, he's not from history, but maybe you could add Ryan Holiday to that list. Yep. I just wanted to mention, <laughs> yeah, I read all his book. <laughs> yes, I was, I was like, I have to, <laughs> yeah, I have to, I have to also speak to him because he basically translated into the human language, the, the Stoic philosophy. So I read all of his books. He's amazing. Yeah. Got it. All right. La last one. Favorite dessert. We love dessert in my house here. Uh, my kids, favorite dessert for you if you have one. So I am not a very sweet tooth person. I'm more salty. But uh, anything for me, the best thing is the fruit bowl. I absolutely love fruits. I can eat all day, every day. And if I make them with like strawberry smoothie, it's like perfect. So that's my, <laughs> that's my, <laughs> I love fruits and I, I, don't so much eat dessert. Got it. Healthy and efficient, all the, all the way to the end, even in the way you approach, approach food. I love it. Um, all right. Well, hey, this has been fantastic. Um, it's been great, obviously, getting to know you over the last several months. And, you know, a lot of great insights uh, that, you know, attorneys can learn from here and learn from your experience, you know, working in industries outside of legal and then working with folks within the legal industry. You know, where can our listeners find out uh, more about you and your 12-week your time management program? So I'm most, uh, of course, you can uh, find me on Facebook and on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And uh, I do have a website. So creaplanconsulting.com. I'm now building it. So it's going to be active, like published in September. But best place to find the information is on LinkedIn. There I have it also about my 12-week program and all the links. The website is going to be there. 
Great, great. All right. Well, Vida, thanks so much for your time. Uh, appreciate you being on the show. And uh, yeah, folks, give, give Vida a, a follow on LinkedIn uh, and, and check out her 12-week program. You just listened to Innovating Legal, a podcast by Evident Law, hosted by Brian Fitzpatrick. Brian is an attorney turned CEO of Evident Law, a technology company building an all-in-one platform to manage your firm's front of house and modernize your practice, create world-class experiences, and win more clients. Check us out at evidentlaw.com and see you in the next episode.